Uh, welcome uh, as we gather today. Um, whether you're gathering here in person or indeed online with us this morning, we bid you uh, a warm welcome. Uh, reminded this morning as we came through the door, this is the day that the Lord has made. Somebody said, thank goodness he doesn't make every day like this, uh, <laughs> uh, which can be quite true, isn't it? Um, but it is, it's the day that the Lord has made. Um, it's the day that we come to worship him. It's the day that we traditionally set aside time to focus together as a community and to gather to worship with one heart and one voice. Uh, we hear uh, a verse from Ephesians chapter 3 this morning uh, as we begin. Normally we'd hear this verse as we end, actually, a service, but we begin with it today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power as it work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we have the opportunity um, to come before you collectively in this way today. Father, as we do so, we're mindful of the situations and circumstances that we have come from, different and diverse that they are. Yet we gather in this moment with one voice and one purpose to focus on you, to glorify your name, and to lay the burdens of our hearts before a faithful God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. In your name. Amen. Uh, the reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 3, reading from verses 7 to 13. And it's the message to the Church of Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Rodney. Um, we're coming to, uh, towards the end of the series of messages sent, um, this uh, seven letters to the seven churches um, in Revelation. Uh, this is letter six. Um, and this one, uh, as we think back through uh, the last number of weeks, um, 
we've been asking the question, what does this message mean for us um, today? Um, we've seen that each of these churches, in a sense, have uh, moments of um, condemnation and commendation, um, and really with only one of them. Um, Sardis was the one, um, you know, not Sardis, Smyrna, uh, was the one that had no condemnation. The one we look at today really is quite similar, but it does have a little bit of condemnation in it. So there's this mixture through them. In other words, you're doing good in some stuff, but there's other stuff you can do a wee bit better on. Um, Ephesus had forgotten their first love, um, and so they were told that they were going to receive um, this tree where they could put down roots, this tree of life where they could put down roots, and they could uh, build strong uh, roots into the future. Smyrna uh, was a church that was suffering under great persecution, so they were going to receive um, the crown. Pergamum, uh, they told their identity was secure, uh, that the word of God is true. Thyatara, uh, they were told that he is mine and I am his, that we are God's and he is ours. There's a holiness in that, that call uh, to be holy the way he is holy. Last week we saw uh, from the church in Sardis, uh, or two weeks ago, last week was family service, two Sundays ago, um, because it was a joy-filled life. We were seeking to have a joy-filled um, life. Now, the church in Philadelphia, which is the one we're looking at today, uh, mostly got con con commendation uh, for their loyalty um, and their devotion. Um, their loyalty and their devotion. Um, those are wonderful things um, to be described as positive characteristics in ourselves or in someone else, aren't they? If someone is loyal and devoted, we have an image. We can probably already creating an image of someone in our minds who we know who is loyal and who is devoted. Um, it's a phrase that we would hear spoken of uh, certain people. And it conjures up on us a warmness, a positivity about that person. It conjures up a, a sense of trust, of integrity uh, as well. So as we look at this for today, let's just pray um, together. Father God, help us um, to look as we look at these scriptures today, inspire us afresh and anew that what is on these pages would come alive to us by your Spirit. Your words and not mine, we pray in your name. Amen. In each of these letters, Jesus opens it by describing himself as something, as a wee phrase that he describes himself uh, as. In verse 7, we hear uh, these are the words of him who is holy and true and who holds the key of David, the one who is holy and true. Um, he can do no wrong. There is no sin in him. And what he says is true. Um, and that is a wonderful reassurance of the faithful God that we worship and that we hold to and that we follow today. I'm going to come back to that uh, a little bit later on. But the key word, as we already saw earlier today, uh, for this church is door. Um, door. Um, doors are wonderful things. Like, just think about it. They are. Nobody knows who invented the door. Do you know what I mean? We know who invented a car or an airplane or an Apple Mac or whatever, but nobody, who invented the door, right? With uh, two hinges on it and a cast that keeps it closed so that the wind and the rain um, stays out. Do you know, it's quite a simple thing, but actually it's a really effective thing as well. Um, there is a question uh, pushed around the internet uh, at the moment. Are there more, which are, which are, what? Which are there more of in the world? Doors or wheels? Now, whenever my daughter first asked me this, I thought she said, 
Are there more doors or wheels? I was going, of course there's more doors. And she was arguing, no, no, no. I thought she said wheels as in the large fish that swims in the sea. Um, but what she actually was saying was, was wheels that you have on a car or a scooter. Are there more doors or more wheels um, in the world today? Hands up if you think it's doors. I think it's doors. Hands up if you think it's wheels. Oh, right. oh most people are going with wheels. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, does it really matter? Well, there's more doors and more wheels. Ultimately, it doesn't really, does it? But actually, both of them are really important in our Christian walk and in our Christian service. The concept of a door is something that opens and that we step through it, and we're going to see that a little bit later today. A door is of opportunity that we walk through to live the life that God has given us. But wheels are something that transport us and transport us on into a new place. And that's also important in a Christian walk and our Christian journey uh, as well. See, first eight of this uh, passage, he says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. An open door that no one can shut. Well, he must be opening every door in our house because uh, they don't get shut um, very often um, in our house at the minute. And I sound like a really grumpy dad wondering about you. Have you seen the price of the oil? Close the doors. Um, so this open door thing has been a really big, uh, in my mind, the last couple of weeks. Um, this door that cannot be shut. Effectively, I suppose, it's that old adage that's whenever, you know, sometimes we hear, you know, people pray about what they do next. And we say, if God opens a door, then we can step through it. But if it's not for us, he'd close it. And in a sense, this is where that comes from. That kind of thinking comes from that it's the Lord who opens the doors before us to create the opportunities um, around us. And whilst he says there's an open door that no one can shut, in a sense, in this letter, there are really two doors. There's the door of salvation. Uh, he opens the door of salvation to each one of us that we can step through into a new life with him. And then he opens a door of opportunity. We need to step through the door of salvation first before the door of opportunity is actually before us and is meaningful before us. It's like kind of trying to go through your kitchen door without coming through your front door. It just doesn't work. But you have to come through your front door of salvation first. And all those other rooms and places of opportunity open up to us whenever we are in a relationship with him. One cannot go without the other. That's what it says in the book of James, that our faith is dead if we don't have works, and works are useless if we don't have the faith to go with them. Often we can find excuses to not go through the doors of opportunity, the preacher included. Often excuses are found as to why service isn't happening. As to not service as in half past ten on a Sunday morning, but service as in how we as Christians are serving one another and our community. We can create reasons or excuses in our heads. Somebody else is much better at that than me, actually. Actually, they've got a really good gift at that, or and I've done some stuff for many, many years and it should let somebody else have the opportunity to do that. Um, 
I'm really not sure I want to do that or I don't have time to do that. Or We can create all of these things in our head. Excuses, reasons why a church is not witnessing or serving effectively. Well, Philadelphia, actually, they could have made them as well because listen to what Jesus says to them. Verse 8, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And here comes the things that they could have used as excuses, okay? I know that you are little strength. They're not strong in size or influence. Sometimes we can say, well, we're only a small church. Uh, that big church down the road or in a different town has so many other staff or has so many other people going to it, and of course they're able to do X, Y, and Z. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. I have not denied it. Obviously, there's been some kind of opposition to their presence. And they could have used that as an excuse, and they could have said, well, the people in my community, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about Christianity, so we'll just let them be, and we'll take the easier option. And obviously, the third thing is the threat of persecution. That if we step out of our comfort zone, into a different place, into a different sphere of service. People might say something. People might accuse us of something. People might... Yet the Lord is saying there's a door of opportunity before us that we can step into. He says in verse 9, I will make those who are a synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. And so there's a sense that God gives us this door of opportunity to step into. And then he also says, look, just because of your size or your influence, or maybe it might be big, that doesn't matter. This is your door of opportunity. I'm not giving this door of opportunity to another individual, nor am I giving this door of opportunity to another church. I'm giving it to you. This is your door to step through. And then he says, don't worry about any of that opposition or persecution that might come. In other words, those variables that sometimes we use as excuses to hold us back, he says he will be present with us. That's what verses 9 and 10 are all about. He'll be present with us and he will give us the strength that we need to stand up against the opposition and the persecution because his presence is with us. Those are three really good excuses. I wonder, have you ever come up with an excuse yourself why you couldn't serve God in a certain way? Hands up, I know. I have in the past. But Jesus admonishes them. And admonish is a kind of a really strange word, isn't it? First he says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Admonish is that kind of word that conjures up a, a sense of chastisement but encouragement almost at the same time. Here's what needs to be done. This is your opportunity to do it. It's time for you to do it. It's not really harsh discipline. 
And it's admonishing them. It's calling them out and saying, this is your opportunity. This is our opportunity. Walk through the door. And as I said uh, earlier uh, with the kids, doors are throughout the pages of Scripture. This idea of God presenting opportunities before individuals, churches, and nations even, is right through the pages of the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, um, he, he phrases it this way, But I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened up for me there. A great door for effective work, he says. The door of opportunity is before him. He knows will be effective because it is the Lord who is placing the opportunity before him. Do you have a story to tell? We all have stories to tell. I'm not saying about a, a funny story or an incident that's happened to you recently. I mean your story. Because only you can tell your story. That's a door of opportunity for you. I mean, what the Lord has done in your life, how he has led you through to this point, for the difficulties that you have come through and that you have known his presence within. This door, no one can shut it whenever the Lord opens it before you. I said before, that's often, this passage is often when we get that theory, that concept of if it's right, the Lord will open the door. If it's not, he'll close the door. Because it's Jesus who holds the key. The key here is Jesus opens a door to them for the church in Philadelphia. It says he is opening a door for the church in Philadelphia. It's not saying that what he opened for them has to be replicated throughout the rest of the world in every church all of the time. And the same is true for us. What are the door, what is the door, or what are the doors that the Lord is opening for us as a church here in Derivaldi? Because the doors that he lays before us as a parish aren't necessarily the doors that he will lay before all the other churches in Lisburn. They will have their own doors that no one will be able to shut and that they will be encouraged to walk through. So what is our door of service for the Lord in this community? Well, it will play into your story as well because your story will have a part in that opportunity. That telling of what the Lord has done for you, how he has held you, how he has carried you. Maybe the Lord is laying something on your heart in this moment or in the last few days or weeks. And it's been a little thought that has dropped in or dropped out of your conscious as you've been driving, as you've been sitting silently at home, as you've been washing the dishes or whatever, there's just been a little thought has dropped in and you thought, oh, well, I wonder would that be something that we could do or would that be something that we would be good to be involved in as a church? Is that something that I could serve in in the church? Drop me a line. Drop me a message and we'll have a cup of coffee and we'll talk through that and we'll see 
if that is a door that is effective for us here in this place. Because if it is, it won't be able to be shut. The Lord has opened it. We'll walk through. And the difficulty with that is we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what this time next year will look like or this time two years or this time five years or this time ten years will look like for us as a church. But actually, if we did, if we tried to conjure all of that up in our heads, every last detail of it, then we wouldn't do anything until we had all of the pieces of the jigsaw put together. The, the way we see in the scriptures that the Lord often works is he gives a piece of the jigsaw to you and a piece 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 to me and then we start putting all the pieces together and we see the picture that unfolds before us. But without your piece, the picture isn't complete. But one thing is certain in the midst of all of this, and it's this, that we cannot hold on to the gospel. It drips through our fingers like oil. And oil's right and expensive at the moment. But have you ever tried to hold oil in your hand? It, it just it doesn't work. It just it drips through your fingers. We can't hold on to the gospel. The gospel is for giving away. Now is the appointed time. Verse 11 says, this is Jesus, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. To him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will I leave it. I will write on him my God and in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven. I also write on him my new name. Now is the appointed time. Life groups over the last couple of weeks, part of the conversation has evolved around the world events that have been happening recently. And a question that I'm being asked, not just in the context of a life group, but even as I'm in the shops or as I'm standing at a school gate or whatever it might be, is, is this war that potentially is going to become World War III, is this one of the end times signs? Now, we could take how many number of weeks to talk about that uh, from the front. The danger is that sometimes we read too much of current history into the backdrop of what the scriptures say. But this thing is, there's one thing that is certain. The day of Jesus coming is sooner now than it was yesterday. And wars and rumors of wars, a move away from God and society and culture and the morals is all ushering in the day that he will return much sooner. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am coming soon. And it's the same message that we carry. It's a life-giving message. It's a hope-bringing message. The question for us is how we deliver it in our context and in our community. Jesus' promise to this church in Philadelphia stands as a promise for us. If we step through the effective and open door of opportunity that lies before us, he tells us he will give us a crown in verse 11. A reward. He tells us he'll give us a pillar in verse 12. 
These are strong things to hold on to. The crown symbolizes our presence in his family as a son or a daughter of the king. A pillar is the security that we will be a part of holding up the truth and the kingdom of God, just like the people of old. Jesus is opening a door of opportunity. He holds the key because he is sovereign. And if he unlocks the door and opens it, no one can shut it. And he's going to give us a crown and give us a place of security in his kingdom. The question that remains today is, will you, will I step through the door of opportunity that is before us today? And only you can answer that question. Because the Lord may be giving you a door of opportunity just as much as he's giving us as a church a door of opportunity. Let's search our hearts this week to see what that might be. Pray together. Father God, help us draw close to you that we might hear from you, but as we draw close to you and hear from you, give us courage and strength to step through the open door that you place before us. In your name, amen. Well, we conclude today uh, by hearing the first scripture from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.